Hello and welcome to another episode of Soccer Not Football. This is Della, as always, with my beautiful, my beautiful host, Daniel. And um, today uh, we are kicking it, we kicked off with uh, Champions League action. The second legs have started, but uh, we'll get to that next episode. And uh, we'll start off with uh, some a quick recap of the um, leagues in Europe so far. Uh, some tower races are, are getting to the wire. Some are almost are practically over and everything in between. So we'll just kick it off with uh, La Liga, where we finally have a title race in Spain. Um, from, for the most part of the season, it was um, Atletico Madrid running the show. And now they are about three points ahead of Barcelona. They do play um, tomorrow, though with the opportunity to go six points ahead. But compared to last month, um, where they were about 10 points ahead, um, they had some rough losses, some some bad ties. And now that gap is uh, closing in, um, along with Real Madrid, um, Hollander, Hollander Tail as well. And um, it's looking to be an interesting, interesting race uh, with uh, Barcelona team to get it back getting their groove back together. Um, and, of course, we have Messi to thank for for that um, resurgence. First off, I just want to say thank you for that intro for me. That was that brought a smile to my face. But, uh, yeah, this weekend we had the, the Madrid derby, um, 1-1 between Atletico and Real. Uh, it looked like Atletico, maybe we're going to hold on to that game, kind of typical get a goal and then defend the whole game. But Benzema was able to, to score late for Real. And that that was huge for Barcelona mainly. I mean, yes, it was big for Real because now they're they're five points back instead of eight. So they're they still have a realistic chance to win. But Barcelona are now literally a, a game back and they're they're starting to to play better right now. Um this weekend they won two nil over Osasuna. Uh, Messi got to assist in that game to uh, Jordi Alba in a, a leash. Um, and he's kind of quietly been having a really good season. Uh, we, uh, we looked at the numbers. It was 19 goals, eight assists, which is pretty good for having a down year to be leading the league in goals and up there in assists. Um, I think Barcelona kind of turning a corner at the right time. Now they, they came back against Sevilla in the Copa del Rey. They turned over a two nil deficit, won that three nil in extra time. So I think if I was Atletico, if I was Diego Simeone, I would definitely be more scared than I was even two or three weeks ago. Definitely you, uh, you see Barcelona now and you can, you can feel them coming. You just got to find a way to, to continue to, to gain points any way that you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Um, lose uh they only had two wins in their last five five games um and you can see the cracks starting to show a little bit with uh Atletico. um teams are breaking down their defense or and they have been having the opportunities to score as much as as they used to um earlier in the season um the tie uh i will say that uh, the tie against real definitely helped Atletico more than uh than real 
um, concerning, they would have, you know, closed the gap a little bit more um, and make it real tight. Um, so that's a that was a missed opportunity for um, Real at that point. Um, but they're still not in. They're still. Um, they're still in this. They're still in this. They're only about five points behind. Um, that is with the game in hand. Atletico do play Athletic Club tomorrow. So that might change up things. Will they um, get themselves some breathing room? Or um, or will that gap be like even even tighter than before? And with uh, just a close lead, like the pressure's just gonna be on to defend it, you know. And we've seen um, teams who had leads like that and straight up choke it away. Um, so it'll be interesting to see a red hot uh, Barcelona who's coming off a very good week. Um, you know, comeback wins, um, five, um, four out of their five uh, La Liga matches have ended in in wins. And um, they just had their presidential election. And um, the results came out um, with the with the ex-president who had oversaw Barcelona during was arguably their most successful period um, back in uh, 2010, 2000, 2018 to 2010, um, where um, including that year where they won um, the sixth tuple, which is winning you know, um, six trophies in one year, including the Champions League, as always. Um, so that might, uh, so things are looking very promising for Barcelona right now and um, for the man um, who has been instrumental in running the show, um, you know, Messi. And their, their ex-president, I believe, um, who who ran, ran, the cl- ran the club into the ground, a lot of fans think, he got arrested mm-hmm. for... Uh, I don't know, like whatever Spain's version of the FBI came into his came to his house and raided him, and he got arrested. So that was that was a good day for Barca fans. Good weekend for Barca fans. Yeah, let's see if Barca can keep the good vibes going. And uh, going into uh, Germany, um, Dortmund uh, and Bayern had their traditional rivalry, uh, the 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 Classier, You know, um, excuse me for mispronouncing that. Um, Dortmund has had trouble being Bayern these last uh, these past few years. You know, either where it's been game blown out or losing close games, and um, this one was no different. Um, and this was just like a big blow to Dortmund um, at the at the moment. Um, They're up two zero off um, uh, Holland um, Erin Holland's goals uh, in the first ten minutes, and then they went and conceded. Um, Four, uh, four unanswered goals from from Bayern, um, who completed the comeback in the last in the diamonds of the game. Did you ever think Bayern were out of that game? I knew I knew Dortmund were up two 0 after ten minutes, but it still kind of felt like it was like this is still Bayern's game to lose. Or you still felt like that they were just inevitable that they were gonna somehow find a way to to peg it back and in typical Bayern fashion. They, they just steamroll Dortmund. Um, I don't know what it is. It, it has to be something psychological. Um, as well as Dortmund, we're missing a couple of few key players. Uh, Schultz was in there instead of Guerrero. No Jaden Sancho. Uh, most importantly, no Gio Reyna in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
yeah, they just, they're a step behind in quality. And I think a couple steps behind in mentality because there's been other teams in the Bundesliga this year who've gotten up on Bayern and been able to, to hold the lead down. But Dortmund just, it just felt like they were going to crack, weren't they? No, I don't know. I thought Dortmund had a great game plan in the start. And um, a tie would have been the worst thing in the world for them. Um, they just didn't have the nerve to hold it. Um, I thought they would have been able to pull it off, uh, which was disappointing to see them not to that, do that. And But I think you're right. It just shows their mentality right now because I think this team definitely does have the quality to – this team should be having the quality to compete for, for a title, to at least challenge Bayern. But um, now – but this has been just a disappointing season, you know. Uh, coming off the coaching change, there are six in their um, – in the league right now, uh, in danger of missing out on the European uh, spots, which, you know, for a team like uh, Dortmund, um, you know, that Champions League money is going to be crucial for next year to to see those players. um, They had to give up on certain players. And with the way some of these players are performing, um, you know, they won't be able to keep them. Um, next year, if they don't stay in the Champions League, you know, right now they're behind uh, uh, Frankfurt and uh, Leverkusen, and uh, they need um, so they they have time to turn around. But you know, uh, more and more games are going to pass them by, and they if they don't take their opportunity, then you know they're going to have to say goodbye to some players that they aren't ready to say goodbye to. At the very least, you would hope that they're they're up there challenging for second or third with like Leipzig they're definitely at at that level at least um Leipzig did win before the Bayern Dortmund game so they were at the top of the league for two hours or whatever until Bayern won their game so they're they're keeping the pressure on to Bayern they play I want to say in three weeks sometime later in March they play at Leipzig so that'll be maybe not to decide the title but I mean Leipzig, if they win the rest of their games, are going to be Bundesliga champions. Is that going to happen? Probably not. I I would highly not think that that's going to happen, but it's possible. They have their their destiny in their own hands. Yeah, they they won their last five games. They've been on the absolute tear right now. Um, They're the ones with the momentum. And um, this Bayern game is going to be big for their season, um, to be honest. And, um, you know, I just need one lucky, you know, I just need the chips to fall where they are. Tyler Adams can score a hat trick against Bayern. Uh, who knows? It might happen. And, um, you know, I would love to see uh, Tyler Adams, a uh, Bundesliga champion. You know, that's something that Pulisic and McKinney can do. That would be that would be amazing, yeah, for, for Tyler Adams, especially because he's, he's been playing a lot more lately. Um, didn't play this weekend. He got a rest. Um, I'm hoping that means he'll he'll start tomorrow in Champions League. Mm-hmm. But he's been a, a really solid contributor to Leipzig. That's kind of what that team's makeup is. They don't really have any stars in that team. Mm-hmm. Um, like, who's their best player? You could say, like, four or five different people, really. You could go with one of the center backs. You could go with any of the number of attacking midfielders that they have. Um they're just an all-around like solid team, and that's how they they try to beat you. Not through individual skill, but just they have enough 
good players on the field that they win enough individual battles that they eventually just beat you. Uh, war of attrition. That's kind of what I was going for. Definitely in credit to the coach as well, um, Julian Nagelsman. Um, he's going to be a hot ticket um, next year um, uh, for any um, coaching team, my, any team that might be, you know, feeding for a coach right now. And um, let's not forget, this was the team that made it to the semifinals to the Champions League. So they have that quality. And, you know, um, it won't be, we, we won't be surprised if they'll be able to run it back. I look across the Bundesliga for a couple of American performers. On this weekend, we had Hoffenheim taking all Wolfsburg. Two of our center backs uh, played against each other, John Anthony Brooks for Wolfsburg and uh, Chris Richards for Hoffenheim. And I have to say, Richards looks pretty dang good. Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself. He's that It's only his fifth game, I think, in the Bundesliga for Hoffenheim, but he's looked really good uh, behind the ball, really good on the ball, uh, hasn't made any mistakes yet. Um, there was a, a question uh, I got on Twitter. Not I got. I answered a question on Twitter. Someone was saying, like, wow, this, this Richard's progression is a, is a great site for the USMNT. And I thought about it, and is he progressing, or is he just, like, now being able to, to play and show his true quality? Because three months ago when he was at Bayern – was he this good? I would say probably that he was this good. He was just behind better players. He didn't get a consistent run of games to, to show it in. Um, when he was playing at Bayern, it was spot minutes. It was off the bench. It was definitely like, if you mess up, like you're, we're going to take you out. So he's much more, you know, pressed. He's much more thinking about it instead of just being allowed to play at Hoffenheim now where he's settled into his role and, uh, I think he he doesn't have the second center back spot on the U.S. on lock yet, but he's pretty dang close. Mm-hmm. And then um, on the other side, we had uh, Sergeant um, on the score sheet as well for uh, Weather Bourbon. And um, I think that's two for two for him, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's like the first time in his career. He's Whenever he scored a goal, usually he's gone like, four or five games before scoring another one. So it was good to see him follow up a a goal with another good performance and another goal. Mm -hmm. And and these last couple goals that he's gotten have been less fluky. I'll say he's had a couple goals in the past where the ball's kind of bouncing around and and he'll hit it in or he'll score a, a 35 yard shot, which are less, you know, you can't really do that all the time. You can't just, scoring screamers all the time mm-hmm. but these last couple goals have been some nice movement some uh he scored a header this weekend so it's it's good to see sergeant uh playing well um i think we've had a couple strikers burst onto the scene here recently but i think he's been quietly just having a good solid season bremen aren't very good and he's definitely one of their better attacking options he he has to do quite a bit so um, I think if he was on a better team, he would definitely produce more. But he's got to he's got to earn that spot. He's got to earn that right before uh, we can we can talk about him like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he is our best prospect at uh, striker at the moment. So any um, any goals that we get from him is always good news for 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 the U.S. 
And uh, moving on to um, Syria A, um, we had Inter Milan versus Anta Atalanta. Um, Inter got the one 0 lead to uh, uh, to extend their lead in the in the title race. Um, they're about, I believe, um, they're quite a distance from uh, Milan at the moment, and. Um, Milan also had uh, a win as well. Um, but do you think it might be too little too late? Do you think the their their run has faded a bit? Yeah, Milan have definitely had a, a downtick in form here as recent. Um, they went whatever, they went almost a year without losing a game from like right uh, after the lockdown, after they came back from lockdown last year to like the middle of this season. And they just had too many injuries, um, too many players who were, I think, playing out of their minds, not out of their minds, but playing above their, their normal capabilities. And they're, they're kind of coming back down to earth and Inter are just, they're just so clinical. Um, they're just, they have Lukaku and Martinez up front and Lukaku's quietly, like he's not quite Lewandowski level, but he's definitely at Erling Holland level where you just expect him to get a goal or an assist every game. He's, he's a beast up front. Um, he sets up other players. He sets up Altaro a ton. And I think they just, they can taste it. This is the only competition they're in. They don't have Champions League. They don't have Europa League. They're going 100% effort for this. And I think if they fail to win it, they it'll be a collapse. They'll only have themselves to blame. Mm-hmm. It, it won't be because another team gets hot and, overtakes them it'll be because they fail to win their games yeah they they're on tear right now they have won five in a row um Lukaku is uh, getting at Ronaldo right now in terms of like a league goals that he has 18 at the moment um and also tied for assists as, as well with eight um so he's definitely been their player this season and um yeah, it looks like, um, you know, Inter are the more experienced team at this moment. Uh, Milan, uh, they're still getting back from that that period of decline that they had, um, you know, for the past couple of years. And, um, you know, it was a good story. Um, you know, things, you know, they, they might be able to turn around, but with the way Inter has been performing, it's unlikely. So then um, what's that mean? leave them in the uh, top four, you know, there are about um, three points, four points ahead of Juventus who do have a game in hand. And uh, Juventus is also, if Juventus loses that game, then, you know, they'll be in a big top four battle for, um, for, for those spots. You know, it's just going to be between, you know, Juventus, Roma, Atlanta, Napoli, um, Lazio, maybe. So it'll be uh, very intense to see who gets those uh, who gets those last two positions as well. Yeah, I think the the top two spots are not locked in, but I think AC Milan would have to really fall off to not get top four, and Inter's. I would say they're locked for for top four right now, but those other those other five teams are fighting for two spots. So. It'll it'll come down to the wire in Italy. Um, you still can you count out Juve? They definitely haven't been 
the same Juve of the last decade, but it's kind of hard to count out the the best team until they're actually out. So mm-hmm. they still got Ronaldo. They still got other good pieces on that team. Um, a lot of talent. So I wouldn't count them out quite yet, but they're, they're definitely on the brink. They're, they're, their ship is sinking and they need to fi- find a way to fix it fast. Yeah. We do have some good news. Um, it has finally been official. Um, for those who didn't know that Weston McKinney was actually on loan um, on the loan um, to Juventus. Um, he was still a shock of player um, at the time. But now um, Juventus liked what they saw and uh, they um, made it into a deal. Uh, Weston McKinney is now an uh, Juventus player. Um, and um, just having them close that deal down in the middle of the season just shows um, his quality. He has been, um, at times, one of their best players and um, really having some breakout moments for the team as well against uh, some big teams. And, uh, um, yeah, um, just uh, he, uh, it was funny because uh, McKinney was actually talking about, you know, like um, his – uh, journey to Juventus, you know, um, when you first heard the rumors, it's like, oh, it's probably just rumors, not going to happen, it's going to be unlikely. And then, you know, just like it's once things started to like get more concrete, it's like, you know, doing everything to lock it down and, you know, convincing, you know, Pirlo, the coach, you know, what he can bring, what he can provide. And I think, you know, he has um, proven, I think he has shown what he can definitely provide. Glad he'll never have to go back to Schalke. That's a that's a team that's in a firestorm right now. Um, glad he'll he'll never have to set foot back there again. He's he settled in well at Juventus, um, almost better than we expected. I mean, now when he doesn't play, we're like, oh man, why is he not playing? Like he should definitely be in the team. So just going back even like a year to think that McKinney is a important player in the Juventus team is is quite an achievement for him. And I think he, he still has a long way to go. I I mean, he's not satisfied where he's at right now in his career. He wants to keep getting better, keep improving. So I think that that hunger and drive within him will only continue to improve. He'll continue to improve and get better and produce for Juventus and hopefully the U S as well. Speaking of uh, U.S., we are moving on to League One. Um, mentioning another U.S. player, uh, Tim Weah. Um, he started in um, Lille's win against uh, Marseille. Uh, it was a it was a real tough win for Lille. Um, Marseille uh, they couldn't get any offense going uh, for the most part until literally the 90th minute uh, when uh, Jonathan Davis scored two goals um, at the 90th minute and that. Um, at, at a time. Um, Tim started, he was subbed around around 65, 70 minutes. Um, just a frustrating night. Um, but I'm sure that he will take the win any day of the week um, to keep uh, their position, um, to keep their league position, you know, um, at the moment. I think way I started at striker in this game, if I'm correct in saying, um, which just kind of shows his versatility. He's, mainly been used on the wing this year, but he's also been used as a wing back. He's also been used as like a 10 centrally. So he's just a very versatile player. And 
I, I'd like to see him be used in, in one position more. We've kind of seen what's happened to McKinney now that he's got a defined role. I'd like Wea to, to get a defined role. Yes, he can play anywhere on the field, and I'd be happy, but I think in order for him to take that next step in his evolution, he needs to pull down one spot and then just be able to, to improve upon that because if you're, if you're flip-flopping – Every game, your your instructions are, are different. You're you're told to do different things. So this way, it'll just help him to to improve and and get better as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And we should also here. We should also mention that Jonathan David. I know you said he scored two goals. Uh, Canadian striker. So another player out of Concacaf who's who's doing good things in Europe. And I think that's that's important for the the scope of. CONCACAF as a region and the USMNT. If they want to get better, the teams in the region have to get better Um, because right now it's basically Mexico at the top and then everybody else. Um, I would like to think that we're up there with Mexico, but our recent results proved we're not. So we're not up there, but Canada's getting better. Jamaica's getting better. They've got a couple uh, English transplants coming over to play for Jamaica, which I think is a good thing. Another Dark horse to look out for is Curacao. They get a lot of the the Dutch Antilles players um, who aren't quite good enough to make the Netherlands team, but are still really good at soccer. And I think they could be a power in CONCACAF in the next decade or so when they start getting more players into this their system that they could be that, not that Mexico level squad, but that next year down. And good competition will hopefully only push the U.S. to become better. Yeah. Definitely, and um, this just shows like how where all these Concat players, you know, they'll be able to play in like all these different leagues. Um, you know, um, England, France, Germany, um, Spain, um, just like all over, which has definitely been um, and in big teams as well. Um, you know, uh, we didn't expect you know uh, Wea and uh, David to be leading, you know, a, a league uh, leading team uh, in in Leo, you know, behind, uh, you know, and have teams like PSG and uh, Monaco, like, trying to, like, chase after and hoping, you know, they'll, they'll slip. Um, so, you know, that's a promising development um, going on as well. 100% agree with that, yep. And then moving on to the Premier League, um, we had some big updates in the top four race. Uh, Chelsea have really solidified um, a fourth place um, with a with a win against uh, Everton. Um, maybe their best win um, under the Tuchel area Tuchel era so far. And um, things have been looking uh, up since uh, switching to uh, Tuchel. Um, still undefeated. Um, all five of their home games have been um, clean sheets. Uh, the defense has been resurrected. Players um, who weren't getting that many minutes, you know, had some bad reputations are are playing out of their minds right now. Um, still working kinks on the offense, but things have been picking up on that area as well. And... Um, you know, really tightening that, um, really looking like they can um, go up more um, 
more precision as well. And that just leaves, you know, um, their teams still in a dogfight right now uh, between the other European spots, um, between, you know, Chelsea, you know, who still aren't um, out of the woods yet. They still got West Ham and uh, Everton, you know, still with games in hand, along with Tottenham as well, um, who have been um, really finding a, some sort of stride uh, with um, Bill um, resurging and Kane scoring and Son scoring. And, um, you know, you can count out Everton and Ancelotti and uh, West Ham has been definitely having a good season so far. Um, so definitely going to see, like, who's going to fall into uh, the Champions League spots um, and who's going to slip into the Europa League spots. And, um, like I said, that gap is uh, tiny between, you know, like second and and seventh. Um, you know, Leicester, they've been having injuries um, time to time. You know, doesn't seem like they can be, they'll be able to sustain um, the run of towards the end stretch. And um, United, you know, um, still, um, still, holding on to second right now yeah we should give united a little bit of praise um they did beat man city this weekend two nil ending their 21 unbeaten unbeaten 22 22. that was wins in a row actually it wasn't just unbeaten they won 22 games in a row so that's Mm -hmm. that's pretty impressive for manchester city but yeah uh man united have seemed to kind of the one team to to have city's number over the last couple of years they just kind of find a way to to get up for the derby and and beat pep's team which is a is a good sight for neutral uh premier league fans because you always like to see the top dog get knocked off mm-hmm. and speaking of the top dog getting knocked off i just want to shout out my friend lou real quick um he bet me five dollars on the chelsea liverpool game so that was a nice couple five bucks that uh from you i still come and, up and this weekend they they lost one nil to Fulham, so that was that was even better. Uh, yeah, I gotta make fun of him for that. They just at this point, it's not just oh they have Van Dyke out, they have a bunch of injuries. Like yes, obviously that has happened. That's the reason why they're not winning the league right now. But to not even beat Fulham, like that's that's something different. That's just the the mentality of the squad right now is just not what it was two years ago. I heard some pundits saying, oh, there's no crowd at Anfield, so now you can't. They don't have that home field advantage. That's why they've lost five in a row at home. And that just seems like an excuse to me. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the players got to play out on the field, and they decide who wins and loses. And the players just haven't been good enough lately. They just have been not, yeah, bad. Yeah, like... Definitely something has shifted. Something has definitely shifted um, with the mentality, um, with the with the, in the atmosphere in Liverpool right now, because you can definitely see in their play. Um, you know, things that were so successful these last couple of years, they're just not working anymore. You know, players have taken a bit of a fall off. Um, players are, you know, feuding, you know, threatening, having their agents send subtweets on, on Twitter. Um, I didn't yeah. see that. Who was sending? Uh, who was Salah's agent. Salah's agent. It was actually during the um, which game was it? The Chelsea game. You know, um, he just put a period. 
you know, so that just tells you um, where, you know, some of these players' mindsets are at, you know, oh, things are getting bad, you know, just abandon ship at the end of the season. It's too early to tell, you know, uh, there's still plenty of football left. they got 10 games left. Um, there might be opportunity for Liverpool to get out of this funk that they're in, but they need to do it fast and soon because, um, you know, teams have games in hand and um, the gap is just going to get wider if they uh, if they can't get out of this bad form. Um, even Klopp um, doesn't seem like to have the same magic as he had before. Um, and it's resulting in just a historical, awful, like dog, hot dog water, you know, run of form. Like they had the worst home home form in all leagues of England. And for those who like, like, so England has like four leagues right now. You had the Premier League, then you had the Championship, then League One, League Two, and and every single one of those teams consists of ninety two teams. Liverpool is ninety two in home form. That's just um, that's just rough, and they have lost about five home games in the in their history, and then going before they lost um, four home games in a row um, since like the eighties. Um, no, like in eighty years, I think we talked about this last episode, and it just feels like Anfield has been a curse to them right now. And just represents just the curse season that they've been even having. Yeah, it feels like they uh, a year or so ago they would show up to games and they were like, "Oh, we're Liverpool, we're going to win this game," and they'd they'd find some magic at the end of the game to win the game. And now they're still trying to do that. They're just like, "Oh, we're Liverpool, we'll win this game," but other teams have either figured out their system, their system is kind of you know worn on some of their players, so they're not as engaged, they're not as motivated, and now they're not able to find those magic moments and they find themselves seventh in the table and a lot of work to do to, to fight their way back up to, to those champions league spots. They are still in the champions league. So maybe they could put their eggs in that basket and try to make a deep run there. I wouldn't be too sure they play Andrew tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they could, they could have a disaster, which uh, the neutral premier league fans would not be sad to see at all. So um, it'll be interesting to see what, what Klopp and Liverpool can do to end this season. Just an intense top four race. Uh, one of the best races that we had uh, because it doesn't seem like the league might be the the um, the league might be giving the same energy for um, the who might be winning the league. Um, you know, like I said, uh, we do have to give credit for United. They seem to have. Um, They've been able to guess these number um, more often than not. But think about it. Uh, they're still nine points behind. You know, they had opportunities to you know, close that gap, you know, against uh, ties against uh, Chelsea, ties against uh, Crystal Palace. You know, um, just, um, t- you know, had a rough moment where they weren't able to score and get get goals and just, like, conceding to, um, to teams that they probably should have put to bed. And just like thinking about it, like they're probably kicking themselves right now um, because this could have been a much tighter race than it is. And, you know, City are still nine points ahead. Um, you know, this may have been just 
too little too late at this point because who knows next time he's going to slip up like that. Yeah, looking at one of those 92 teams with a, a better home record than Liverpool, we'll go to Barnsley in the championship, who uh, since Daryl DK has been put into the starting lineup, have seven wins, zero draws, and zero losses. So they're undefeated with him in the lineup. Um, they've pushed their way to, to sixth, so they're in a, a promotion playoff spot. And DK scored another goal this weekend. That's two and two for him, uh, three and seven games. And he's been the focal point of their attack. He's moved over from basically half a year in MLS to, to the second division in England. And he's been their, their main attacking player. Um, went over this last time, but basically they just play the most outdated version of soccer ever. They just kick the ball as far as they can down the field to DK and hope that he can head it to, to one of his teammates. And it's been working for them. So I think they'll, They'll keep riding him as long as uh, he'll carry them. And I think we have seen the last of Daryl DK and MLS. Um, there is a $20 million option to buy from Barnsley. I doubt that they will do it, but I would, I would think that another team will, will come and try to swoop him. Um, maybe not from England, maybe from another league, but I think he's shown that he's, he's more than capable of uh, playing in Europe and, that's that's great to see. Yeah, um, definitely bringing Barnsley back into uh, like promotion playoffs. Um, and for those um, who aren't familiar with promotion playoffs, it's when um, teams will be playing against each other um, for the opportunity to, um, you know, get promoted into the Premier League with, you know, with teams that get relegated, they move on to the second division. The teams who are the top, they move on to the Premier League. And uh, that's exactly, um, you know, what Barnsley was hoping for, um, you know, with an accusation like uh, DK. And uh, he's just been, and for him to help propel them to that moment is only going to help his stock and uh, help his future. Uh, like you said, um, we probably have seen the last of him at MLS. And um, speaking of another American at the 92 European England teams, um, we have someone on the opposite end of the spectrum. You know, he comes, he goes by the name of Pulisic. Um, he's a bench warmer for Chelsea at the moment. Um, since um, Tuchel has taken over, um, I know there were some, you know, hopes that like, oh, um, they had history together. They played in Dortmund together. You know, he might be able to get some form, but now nah, he's been really struggling for minutes at the moment. And you can see the frustration. Um, during the game at Everton, um, you know, he was waiting to get set on and then, you know, um, it just took longer. And it's just, you know, just showing his frustration and just, uh, you know, where he's at at the moment right now. I'm going to reserve my, my judgment of uh, the Pulisic situation until the end of the season. I want to see if he can find his way back into the team or not. Um, because it's kind of hard to speculate that every week if, Oh, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? He's not playing. The sky is falling. Like we need to take a step back. And like sometimes players like big clubs like this, there's players that are better than him or players that the coach wants ahead of him. And that's just something he's going to have to deal with. And maybe at the end of the season, if he, if he wants to get a move to a different club and it's the right situation, then he should take that. But right now he just needs to focus on, 
getting back into the team somehow when he gets his minutes, he'll need to produce. Um, it's not like he's been on a tear this season, scoring goals or assisting um, like he was last year. So I, I see why two goals gone with the other players up front. Um, but yeah, uh, he's not in a good spot right now, but I think, I think he can get out of it and he's just going to have to continue to work hard, continue to have a good mentality. Um, I, I like seeing him upset, but he's got to be measured in that. He can't start letting that affect his play when he gets out there. He can't, you know, hate the coach and not want to work for the team. He's got to find a way to overcome that, overcome his ego and, and produce when he's out in the field. And we've seen it done before, you know, he had uh, issues like that with uh, Lampard at the beginning of the season. He was able to find his way back and like become a working starter under him. So it's not like uh, we haven't seen that before from from him. Um, it's just been a weird season for him, you know, with injuries and just uh, haven't been able to get a consistent, you know, solid form of solid uh, run the form at the moment. And, um, you know, I want to reserve my judgment as well till the end of the season. And um, because there's still opportunity for him to, you know, um, improve and um, show his work. And, you know, worst case scenario, at least he'll be rested for uh, the Hex games. Absolutely. Yeah. At least he won't be injured. That's something he struggled with. So, I mean, that's the, that's the shiny turd in the litter box, I guess. Cause that's you, of course we want him to play, but at least he would be able to play for the U S mm-hmm. and then just moving on to the, uh, to the, um, American pool overall, we have some new updates on um, Olympic qualifying. We got games uh, coming um, ahead, and you know whoever um, gets on top will be moving on to the Olympics, um, which are still happening, which are still going to be a day into summer. Um, unfortunately, we won't be able to see it, <laughs> but um, we'll be watching on the TV. But uh, we'll be uh, we'll be hoping to watch the U.S. in uh, in the Olympics which they haven't done for a while now. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. They missed out on the last two Olympics, 2014 or 2012 and 2016. So hopefully they can make it this time. Um, how it works is there's two groups of four. Um, each group of four plays a round Robin with each other. So the U S will play Costa Rica, Dominican Republic and Mexico. And then the top two teams in each group will advance to a semifinal and you have to win your semifinal to qualify for the Olympics. So there were only two teams that qualify out of CONCACAF. Um, the good news for the U.S. is that Mexico's in their group, so they won't have to win a semifinal do or die against Mexico. They'll have to win it against probably Honduras, maybe maybe Canada. I, they're on the other side of the bracket. Um, but, yeah, their toughest opponent is in their group, so if they don't qualify, they'll only have themselves to blame. Mm-hmm. And we do have some familiar faces um, in the soccer and not football uh, community um, who are being selected um, in the squad. We have uh, Sebastian Soto, um, U.S. Elenis, Jonathan Lewis, uh, Jackson Ewell, um, and um, Dior De um, Mialovich. Um the rest are still um, more on the MLS side as well. And um, 
all pretty young, you know, like you said, it's under 23. So, you know, and um, at this moment, we're not um, selecting the big uh, guns at the moment um, because they're still focusing on their seasons, you know. Um, so, uh, but on the plus side, you know, that's what every other nation is doing as well. And we had some successful um, runs um, in the youth um, uh, in the youth teams. Um, so there is uh, hope for optimism there. Um, so we're, I'm feeling pretty optimistic right now. Yeah, I would be too. Um, the either good or bad way, um, it depends on how you look at this. Yeah, this definitely isn't our A team because our A team would be basically what our senior team is. Because a lot of our senior team guys are, are under 23, mm-hmm. like Pulisic, Adams, McKinney, Dest. But those guys aren't going to be here for this tournament. They're, this isn't an official uh, FIFA event. This is a youth event, technically. So uh, clubs don't have to release their players. And right now with, with COVID and quarantining and everything like that, the teams aren't going to release their players to, to do that. So we'll have to show our depth and that's why we've had January camps against lesser teams to, to try to find those pieces. And Jesus Ferrer is a guy who, who played really well in his last game for the, for the senior U S team. And I think maybe in this tournament, he can have a little breakout and hopefully that'll propel him to, to a good MLS season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we'll keep you posted. We got games against um, Mexico. We got games against Costa Rica. We got games against uh, the Dominican Republic. And, um, you know, it'll be exciting to – we'll update you that um, next week along with uh, Champions League action. You know, we'll um, update you on who made it and uh, who crashed out and uh, who's going to be playing against each other. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, but until then um, – We'll see you next time on Soccer Not Football. This is Stella signing off. They can't, like, how are they going to know you did that uh, deuces thing? You got to say deuces. No, I don't. I just got to do this. They can, <laughs> they, can, they can hear me through the mic. All right. Well, this is Stella and Daniel signing off. Take care, y'all. Bye, guys.